This is episode 65, and we are continuing our discussion about the, the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. And in episode 64, we talked about uh, his introduction, his story, and how he kind of came up with the idea to write this book. And then we talked about the fundamentals. Um, so in this episode, we are going to talk about the first two laws um, because James Clear came up with four laws that he believes um, are the laws that he came up with to uh, to you know stick with stick with habits to either break bad habits or start new habits. And so <clears throat> the first law it's called make it obvious, and it talks about uh, in it with there's four chapters. The man who didn't look right, the best way to start a new habit, motivation is overrated, environment often matters more, and the secret to self-control. So let's first get into um, the first law. So the human brain, and I'm reading from the book, is a prediction machine. It is continuously taking in your surrounding and analyzing information it comes across. So whenever you experience something repeatedly, your brain begins noticing what is important, sorting through the details and watching the relevant cues and it and cataloging them, uh, the information for future. So as you're going through life, you know, you're seeing things, you're observing things and your brain is telling you that you know, this thing is good, this thing is bad. Um, and so that's what kind of starts you down the path to getting, you know, to set yourself up for a good habit, for a bad habit, you know, what have you. Going back to the book, we underestimate how much more our brains and bodies can do without thinking. You do not tell your hair to grow your heart to pump, your lungs to breathe, and your stomach to digest. I mean, it just, the, these, these parts of your, you know, body just know what to do. You know, you don't have to tell yourself to blink. I mean, you're, it's just an automatic reaction that your body does that your, your, um, your eyelids do is that they blink. So, um, and yet your body handles all this and much more on autopilot. You are, <clears throat> excuse me, you are much more, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're not, you're just not aware that it's happening. It's, it happens automatically. So for example, let's get into how do you know if you're hungry? Well, your body, um, sends a message to your brain, like, you know, with hunger pains and you start, Hey, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten in a while. So, um, you know, maybe I should get something to eat. And, um, but you don't necessarily have to see a cookie on the counter to realize that it's time to eat. I mean, your body sends a natural reaction that, Hey, it's time to eat. Cravings can arise thanks to hormones and chemicals circulating throughout your body. <clears throat> this is one of the most surprising insights about our habits. You don't need to be aware of the cue for a habit to begin. This is what makes habits so useful. So on on the negative side let's say that you know here's for example a bad habit so let's say that you're 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 really not hungry but you walk past your kitchen counter 
and you see, you know, a box of cookies sitting there and you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll just have one. And then the next thing you know, you grab two and then you grab three and grab four. Um, with, you know, on the same token, let's say you, you know, your, one of your plans is to drink a lot of water. Um, and if you have the water sitting out to where you can see it, you know, it's in your, the particular water bottle or jug that you have and you walk by it and you say, Oh, Hey, I haven't drank water in a while. Let me take a couple of gulps. So, um, and the, going back to the book, so on one hand, it, it can be a positive thing, but it also makes this a negative thing. It, it also makes them dangerous. Habits form, your actions come under the direction of your automatic and non-conscious mind. You fall into old patterns before you realize it. So over time, the cues that spark our habits become so common that they are essentially invisible. The treats on the kitchen counter, the remote control, the phone in the pocket, um, we must begin the process of behavior change with awareness. Um, going back to the book, before we can begin new habits, we need to get a handle on our current ones. So let's say that, <clears throat> all right, so I, I'm, I'm wanting, so one of the good habits is I want to start eating better, eating more, you know, healthy, nutritious food. But the first one that I have to, the first thing I have to do is get a handle on my poor eating habits and recognize that. And by doing that, I am able to, once I start getting the control of that, then I can start t- turning towards um, making a, a good habit. And we, what we have to do is we need to make these habits automatic so that you are doing them without having to think about it. The more automatic a habit becomes, the less likely we are to consciously think about it. So again, let's go back to the <clears throat> let's go back to the um, the drinking of water. You know, every day I want to drink 100 ounces of water, for example. Well, what I need to do is I need to prepare myself and prepare my water bottle. You know, fill it up, and it needs to be readily available to where I can get to it. And then it becomes a habit because I see it every day and I see it sitting there and I'm like, okay, yep, it sparks, yep, got to drink water. We, we also need to become aware of the bad habits. So like I said, eating bad food, you need to be aware of that. Um, grabbing a cookie when you don't really need it. Um, you need, once you become aware of that, you know, picking up your phone and scrolling for 20 minutes of mindless, um, you know, stuff on, on, on social media, you got to, once you become aware of those negative habits, then you can start to address them. Being conscious and acknowledging a habit raises your awareness. So that was chapter four, um, of the first part of, uh, of the first law moving into chapter five, it talks about what is the best way to start a new habit. And what James clear, the author says is write it out and, and, you know, and say it to yourself and put it somewhere where you see it, you know, like for example, um, so like the formula he uses is when X arises, I will perform Y. So when, when I am bored, I will reach for a book or I will, you know, reach for my journal or, or something like that, you know, so that I'm not mindlessly just grabbing my cell phone and scrolling social media. So 
when X arises, I will perform Y. And this, what James calls this is, he calls this the implementation intention. Um, and what it's doing is you're basically saying, I will do this. You know, when this situation arises, I will do this. When I am out with friends and everybody is ordering drinks, and let's say that I'm trying to um, curb my, uh, my alcohol consumption. So when, I, when everybody orders a drink, I will order a non-alcoholic drink, or I will order a water, or I will order, um, you know, just something, you know, water with lemon or something, just something that keeps, number one, it keeps my, my mind and my hands occupied that, and then I can continue to socialize. But if I'm, you know, is it, I have to consciously, you know, we need to consciously tell ourselves, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and that's called the implementation intention. Making a specific plan for when and where they will perform a new habit are more likely to follow through. And that coming back from the book. Another thing that James talks about in this chapter is something he calls habit stacking. And basically what it is is um, putting a good habit onto another good habit. So let's say that... Um, you know, my, one of the things I want to start doing is working out more. So what I will, let's say that the first thing I do is I set my alarm for the, you know, an hour earlier. So when I get up in the morning, so there's, there's the first ha habit that I'm going to set. And then to stack on that, I will set out my workout clothes, you know, set them out by the bed or whatever. So that's something, that's an example of habit stacking where I will, um, you know, I've, I've got two habits that are going to help me get to, you know, working out. Um, another example could be, um, let's say eating healthier. So let's say the first habit is I will, um, you know, consume, you know, hundred ounces of water a day. And first thing in the morning I'm going to do is, uh, get up and drink 16 ounces of water. We'll say that. Um, and then if I start to get hungry, instead of reaching for, you know, something sweet and something that's not nutritional, I will grab a piece of fruit. You know, that's, that's an, another example of what he calls habit stacking. So going back to the book, adding one habit on top of another, just like I said, habits like read more or eat better are worthy causes, but these goals do not provide instruction on how and when to act. Time and location are the most common cues. So that was what he called habit stacking. The next chapter is motivation is overrated. <clears throat> Going to the book, pe people often choose products, not because of what they are, but because of where they are. Your habits change depending on the room you're in and the cues in front of you. When the cues that spark a habit are subtle or hidden, they are easy to ignore. If you want to make a habit a big part of your life, make the cue part of your environment. So, um, you know, just, just saying, yep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get up and work out every morning. You know, I'm gonna work out, I'm gonna get up, uh, you know, an hour earlier. Um, but just saying it isn't really gonna make it happen unless you've got some, some habits that are set up to 
um, to help you do it. Because motiv- just like it says, motivation is not always going to, to be the thing that gets you through. An example is, let's say, um, in the book it says this, more people drink more in social situations than they would ever drink alone. Yeah, I mean, if you're on a social, you're at a social setting, let's say you're at a bar or you're at some sort of establishment, I mean, if you've got friends or family there and they're consuming alcohol, well, then the, the natural thing is that you are going to as well. Whereas if you're by yourself or if you're at home with your family, I mean, you may, you know, maybe have one or two because there's no, um, there's no pressure, there's no expectation that you, you know, keep drinking. Going back to the book, small changes in context can lead to large changes in behavior over time. Every habit is initiated by a cue. So when we say a cue, um, let's say that you're at a, you're at a bar and the cue is, um, you know, uh, so-and-so's like, Hey, it's your turn to buy. And that, you know, that is a cue that, okay, I got to buy the next round or whatever. And I'm using that as a, as a negative example because, um, you know, the, the habit just comes from that particular cue. And you could also look at a, at a, at a more positive example. One of the things that also talks about is, you know, our habits are formed by the environment we're living in. So if you are, have been in an environment where, you know, negative habits or not habits that you're not really wanting to do are becoming part of the norm, then maybe it's time to find a new environment. And we all know that, you know, for example, you know, people that have addictions, you know, the best way, one of the ways that they can get out of that or start to change their behavior is to get out of that environment, pick a new environment. It's easier to build new habits in a new environment, uh, as the book says, which is why, you know, if you're trying to quit drinking, well, then you need to quit going to, you need to quit putting yourself in an environment where drinking is at. If you're trying to quit smoking, you need to put yourself in an environment where you don't feel the urge to smoke. Next chapter is chapter seven, which talks about the secret to self-control. A habit that has been encoded in the mind is ready to be used whenever the situation arises. Once you notice something, you begin to want it. The process is happening all the time, often without realizing it. You can break a bad habit, but you are unlikely to forget it. One of the most practical ways to eliminate a bad habit is to reduce exposure to the cue. Um, And it says, make the cues of your good habits obvious and the ones of the bad bad, uh, bad cues invisible. So again, we go back to, you know, let's say smoking. I'm not going to put myself in that environment. You know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to go to, for example, I'm not going to go to a bar because the bar, you know, a lot of people, even though nowadays you can't smoke inside, but you know, that, that just kind of, you know, um, it brings about the urge to, to, to take a cigarette. Um, and so what you'll do is, is don't put yourself in that environment. And, you know, again, you make it obvious, like, Hey, I'm getting ready to go work out or I'm getting ready to do something. And then, and then, you know, because I'm 
working on my health, you know, I don't need to um, grab a cigarette because that's kind of counterintuitive intuitive to what I wanted to do. So some in summary of this first law. Um, so the first law of behavior change is to make it invisible, you know, make the bad habit invisible and make the, the good habit, you know, make it, make it obvious, make it visible. One habit formed is unlikely. Once a habit is formed, it's unlikely to be forgotten. And meaning, you know, even if it's a bad habit, you know, like what's the, you know, what's the cue, what's the trigger for you grabbing a, a, you know, grabbing a piece of pie or grabbing some cookies. Um, once you can change the behavior, but you're never going to forget it. And then the last thing that talks about when in the summary is self-control is a short term strategy. I mean, we all can get, can be motivated. We all can, um, do things that we want to do, but, uh, motivation and self-control, it can only take you so far. You need to, you need to build the habits that are going to help you get there. And then let's talk about the second law. So the first law was make it obvious. The second law is make it attractive. And there are, let's see, one, two, three chapters on this. And then we'll wrap it up for, uh, for this episode. So chapter eight talks about make a habit irresistible. So going to the book, the more attractive an opportunity is, the more likely it is to become habit forming. Um, so, you know, example, um, if I am wanting to get in better shape, I am wanting to be healthier, I'm wanting to work out. Well, you know, I'll start to see it eventually on the scale. I'll start to eventually see it in the mirror. And because that's attractive, you know, then it becomes more likely that you're going to pick up on that habit. Um, let's see, um, book talks about what's a, a dopamine hit. So, you know, and that's what helps drive our habits, whether it's their good habits or bad habits. Let's say if you're a addicted to cocaine, you know, just as an extreme example, you get that huge dopamine hit by how it makes you feel. And that in itself helps drive that, the anticipation of the reward for that habit. On the flip side, um, let's say you get a big dopamine hit from a good workout and then you feel better, you look better. Again, that's what helps, you know, you're, you're anticipating the reward after that workout. <clears throat> the author James Clear in this book talks about something else called temptation bundling. And it's similar to um, habit stacking. But temptation bundling is linking an action you want to do with an action you need to do. So, um, for example, I, I want to, I want to read more. Well, you know, um, what I need, you know, so I want to read more. So how do I, how do I create an action that's going to happen? Well, I set my book, you know, by my bed, by my nightstand. Or I sit, or I always carry a book with me, or I keep it in my backpack, and so um, it'll, you know, I have the temptation to read, but and so if I have a book readily available, then I can pull it out, and then that's the action. 
So the second loss we talked about is make it attractive because the more attractive an opportunity is, the more likely it is to become a habit forming. Habits are a dopamine driven feedback loop. It is the anticipation of a reward that gets us to take action. Okay. Okay, the next chapter is chapter nine, and this one is the role of family and friends in shaping your habits. I mean, this is super obvious. I mean, and this goes back to our environment. You know, our family and friends, you know, obviously um, have a huge impact in some of our habits. So going to the book, we don't choose our earliest habits. We imitate them. So if you see your father, um, I, I don't know. If you see your father and he is always working out and he is constantly, you know, you, it's just something that you see him doing all the time or your mother, then that's a, that's a habit that you probably are going to pick up because, you know, you've seen your parents do it and it's going to kind of, you imitate what they do. And again, you could do it on the negative side, like, a, you know, smoking, drugs, alcohol, etc. The book says that we imitate the habits of three groups, the close the many and the powerful. So let's talk about the close. We pick up habits from people around us, our family members, close friends, um, coworkers, etc. So because of that, many people say, join a culture that does the habits that you want to emulate. So if you want to eat, eat, eat more healthier food, then Join a culture, be around people that, that eat healthier. Um, and this will help your desired behavior. So like, for example, I have a, a group of friends that <clears throat> they are very healthy people. They're both physically active and they both, um, <coughs> excuse me, and they both eat really healthy food. And because of, and, and any time that um, my wife and I are with them, whether it's on a trip or, or just visiting, you know, we kind of take on that role as well because we're seeing them do it. And, you know, that's one of the things that my wife and I are always trying to do is be healthier and eat healthier. And so because we are um, uh, close with them, it kind of, you know, kind of rubs off on us. The second group that we imitate the habits of is the many. Normal behavior of the tribe often overpowers the desire of the individual. So if you have one person in your tribe that is just a super negative person, but the majority are very positive, uplifting people, um, being with that group is going to eventually overpower that one negative Nelly. Um, most days we'd rather be wrong with the crowd than to be right by ourselves. So even if we don't believe in it, let's say a particular habit, if, you know, we're going to be like, okay, I will, you know, even though I don't want to do this particular habit, I'm going to go along with the crowd because the majority are going to, um, trump what, you know, I'm saying anyway. And then the third group is the powerful. We are drawn to behaviors that earn us respect, approval, admiration, and status. We try to copy the behavior of successful people. The culture we live in determines which behaviors are attractive to us. We want to belong to the tribe. 
And wrapping up the second law is how to find and fix the causes of bad habits. Every behavior has a surface level craving and a deeper underlying motive. Our habits are modern day solutions to current uh, desires. Habits are all about associations. A craving is the sense that something is missing. Um, so again, you just, it, it, it goes back to what do you want to accomplish? What, what habits do you want to start? What habits do you want to get rid of? And then just building the system to get you there. Um, you know, you can make like, cause there's a lot of habits that are very difficult, uh, that we want to do, but are hard. Um, but if you associate it with a positive outcome, then that is going to, you know, give you the, the, you know, the motivation and the, and the drive to go after it. Because even though it's a difficult one, the, the positive outcome is going to really be what carries you over. Going back to the book, the key to finding and fixing the causes of your bad habits is to rephrase the associations you have about them. So this wraps up the second law, which says make it attractive. And in the next episode, we will cover the final two um, laws, the third and the fourth law, and then wrap it up. So until next time.